Good morning, CCFLA. Are you glad to be alive today? I like to be alive because no one hangs on this cross. Yes, Jesus Christ was nailed to that cross on Good Friday. But after three days, what happened? He rose from the dead. He no longer hangs on that cross because he is alive, because he is risen. Now, traditionally, this would be like a responsorial psalm. So when I say he is risen, you say he is risen indeed. Now, you only say that if you believe that Jesus Christ really is risen from the dead, all right? He is risen. He is risen indeed. He is risen. He is risen indeed. He is risen. Amen. Now, one, one of these days, if you have a chance to go to Israel, you'll come across this place. It's called the Garden Tomb. Guys, there's a lot of space here in front. Come, join us. There's a few here in front, on the sides. Come, celebrate worship with us. Celebrate the risen Lord with us. Now, you'll encounter this area. It's called the Garden Tomb. Now, it was prophesied that the Messiah would be buried in a brand new tomb. This is what they believed to be the place where Jesus Christ was buried. If you notice, it's a big lot. And you see there, there's an opening. As you go inside, you will see this sign. It says, he's not here. Yes, correct. How much? You didn't understand her? She said, he's risen. That sign says, he's not here. For he's risen. Those are the words that the angels spoke to the ladies who first went to the tomb. Who is it that you're looking for? He's not here. He's risen. And as you go further inside, you will see two, two burial plots, if you will. But only one was used. And as you go into that courtyard, there's a sign that basically says, and I've transcribed it here from Romans chapter 1, who was declared the Son of God with power by the resurrection from the dead, according to the spirit of holiness, Jesus Christ, our Lord. He is risen. He is risen. He is risen. He is risen indeed. He is risen indeed. And that's why we come here to celebrate the risen Lord, the resurrected Christ. Yes, on Good Friday, he was nailed to a cross. But just as he promised, he rose from the dead and is seated at the right hand of the Father and intercedes for all of those who place their trust in him, those who believe in him, those who are his committed followers. But why is the resurrection very important? The resurrection of Jesus Christ is one of the most important pillars of Christianity. In 1 Corinthians 15, we read, and if you read this with me, please. But from the dead, not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is in vain. Your faith also is in vain. For if the dead are not raised, not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is worthless. You are still in your Easter Sunday, I look like, and I will borrow this from one of our young couples group, our, I look like a CEO. You know what a CEO? Christmas and Easter only. They come to church only during Christmas and Easter. CEO. Christmas and Easter only Christians. Now we have some of those. 
I don't believe in CCF, but I'm sure you know some churches that have CEOs. They only come to church on Christmas. They only come to church on Easter. That's why CEO. I hope we are not CEOs. I hope we come to worship because we love God. I hope that we come and learn from Scripture because we don't want only the knowledge of the Scripture, but we want to apply it in our lives. I hope that as Christ has resurrected from the dead and you have experienced the resurrection of your life in Christ, that you will live for Him and for His glory. We celebrate the resurrection. But why did Jesus Christ have to die anyway? Why? Why was it necessary for Christ to die? Well, let's look at how Jesus Christ himself answers this question. Can we all rise as we read just a short passage of Scripture? John chapter 12, verse 20 to 26. Can we all read this, please? Now, at the feast, then these came to Philip, who was with Bethsaida of Galilee, and began to ask him, saying, Sir, we wish to see Jesus. Philip came down and told Andrew. Andrew and Philip came and told Jesus. And Jesus answered them, saying, the hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. Truly, truly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. He who loves his life loses it, and he who hates his life in this world will keep it to eternal life. If anyone serves me, he must follow me, and where I am, there my servant will be also. If anyone serves me, the Father will honor him. Let's pray. God Almighty, thank you for your word. Lord, let none of us here focus on anything but the truth of your word. I confess before you and my brothers and sisters that apart from your Holy Spirit, Lord God, I can do nothing. My preaching would be in vain if not empowered by your Holy Spirit, Lord God. And the celebration that we celebrate, the resurrection of Christ, would really have meaning in our individual and collective lives. Father, we pray that you allow us to shut off the whole world around us and focus only upon you and what you want us to learn from your word this morning. Use me, Lord, your humble servant. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Now, this is the portion six days before the Passover, what we have come to know as Palm Sunday. Jesus enters Jerusalem, and they wave the palms at him, they put their cloaks, and he's on a donkey, and they sing, Hosanna, 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 blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, Hosanna in the highest. And people around him, like the Greeks, were asking, they were asking about him. And then he answers them in that way. He says that unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. I've entitled this morning's message as simply, Die to Live. Die to Live. Jeremy, can you turn up the lights as, they, as I show them this uh, short video? I hope we will see the connection of die to live or death to life in this short video.
Jeremy, can we have the lights? Do you see the connection? Do you see the connection? For new life to spring forth, there must first be death. And Jesus Christ simply said that. He was very clear, very specific. The hour has come that I must be glorified. For unless a kernel of wheat, a grain of wheat, fall into the ground and die, it remains alone. But unless that happens, no fruit will come out. Did you see the seed? We only see the seed because of camera work. But if you're on top of the soil, do you see the seed? No. What happened to the seed? It dies. But in the process of dying, what happens? Begins to sprout. Those of you in the Philippines during our chemistry class, what would we bring? Mung beans. Sounds very highfalutin. Mung beans. In Tagalog, mongo. And then what do you do? You get cotton, you put a little water, you put it in a petri dish, you put it there. And then after a few days, no more mung bean. It becomes oh, toge, yes. <laughs> if you give it a little more time, it will become egg roll. <laughs> Look, Jesus Christ said, He said, it must fall into the earth and die. When it does, it remains alone. But if it dies, it bears what? Much fruit. Now let me ask you. If you have an orchard, okay? Our brother Toti, he has a mango orchard in the Philippines. Now, give or take, how many years does it take for a mango to begin to bear fruit? Ten years? Five, ten years? Okay. Let's take the low amount. Five years. Five years. From one seed that will die, okay? It will become a tree. You will wait for five years. How many do you expect to harvest at the end of five years? One? Oh, wait a minute. Why are you not content with one? One is to one is what? That's 100%. How about five? How about 100? From one tree. How about bushels upon bushels upon bushels of sweet mango? Which would you like? One or as much as you can harvest? The death of Christ, one individual, is supposed to bring in a harvest that is too numerous to count. One life, the life of Jesus Christ, he died on Good Friday, but he lives again. And his death and resurrection is supposed to bring forth fruit upon fruit upon fruit, harvest upon harvest upon harvest, till every tongue and every tribe. In the book of Revelation, you will see multitudes from every tongue, every tribe, every nation, giving glory, giving worship to God. Jesus had to die so that he could resurrect. Jesus had to die so that you and I could live. But why die anyway? Who is it that is under judgment? Romans 6, 23. And I've highlighted death and life, die and live in red to keep us focused on the topic this morning. The wages, plural, of sin, singular, is death. But God's free gift is what? 
eternal life. Where? In Christ Jesus, our Lord. It cannot be found anywhere in anyone else. It is only in, exclusively only in the person of Jesus Christ. I'm not going to ask for a raise of hands. But have you ever committed one sin? Just one. I'm guilty. Just one sin. And according to Romans 6.23, what is the penalty of that one sin? Death. Now how am I going to live if I'm under judgment, if I'm under condemnation of death? I need somebody to save me. I need a savior. And according to Romans 6.23, the free gift of eternal life can only be found in Jesus Christ. In 1 Peter chapter 3, it writes, For Christ also died for sins once for all, the just for the unjust, so that he might bring us to God, having been put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the spirit. Now notice the death of Christ. How many times did Jesus Christ die? According to 1 Peter 3. Once. For whom was that? For all. Once for all. He died one time for all people. What is the purpose? That he might bring us to God. He was put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the spirit. Now, if we miss out on the second part of verse 18, we might think that Jesus Christ is just a human being also. Look at what he says. The just for the unjust. Is Jesus Christ guilty of anything except proclaiming and saying the truth that he is God? No. The book of Hebrews tells us that he was tempted in every way, yet was without sin. And the only thing that brought him to the cross, are you God? Yes, I am. Even Pontius Pilate said, I find no fault in this man. I wash my hands of him. I wash my hands of him. Yet, what happened? They crucified him. Why? Because someone has to die in order that someone may live. Even in their time, when Jesus was sentenced, who lived? Barabbas. Because Jesus Christ was condemned, a criminal was set free. I wonder if Barabbas was here and we would, able, we would be able to interview him. What did you feel? You, 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 you were supposed to die, but you were let go. What did you feel? That would be a great interview, I guess. But Jesus Christ did not die just because he was a criminal. As a matter of fact, 1 Peter also, verse 22, tells us, he committed no sin. No sin. Nor any sin, nor, nor was any deceit found in his mouth. While he was being reviled, he did not revile in return. While suffering, he uttered no threats, but kept entrusting himself to him who judges righteously. Now, if you have all the power that Jesus Christ has at his disposal, Dad's going to get back at you. I will call legions upon legions of angels. They're going to fight for me. But what did he do? He kept silent. He was like a lamb being brought to its shearers. And eventually he would give up his life. Jesus Christ lived a perfect life sinless life. Yet, he was nailed on the cross. 
for simply telling the world the truth about who he is. So why or how does that affect us? Isaiah 53. He was pierced through for what? For our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The chastening for our well-being fell upon him. And by his scourging, we are healed. All of us, like sheep, have what? Gone astray. Each of us has turned to our own way. But what did God do? But the Lord had caused the iniquity of us all to fall on him. Jesus Christ lived a perfect life. And Jesus Christ died a perfect death. Because when he was hanging on that cross, and he was about to give up his last breath, he uttered, it is finished. It is complete. It is paid in full. So just as Jesus Christ lived a perfect life, he also died a perfect death. So that we no longer need to put Jesus to death over and over and over and over again. Because Jesus Christ died once for all, once for all time. Because when there has been forgiveness of sins through Christ, there, there no longer remains a sacrifice for sin. Did you hear the music, our praise and worship team this morning? You tore the veil. You made the way. Because in the tabernacle, in the Holy of Holies, there is this big, ornate, thick curtain that prevents people from coming into the Holy of Holies to worship God. But when Jesus Christ breathed his last, that veil, that veil was torn, not from bottom to up, but from top to bottom. You could say that if it was torn from the bottom going on top, that people started to cut it. But the veil was torn from top to bottom. Anyone can now come into the holy presence of God because of the perfect sacrifice of Jesus Christ. The sinless Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world must die so that you may live. Jesus Christ died so that you and I might live. You see, we, we think that we are alive. Yes, I'm physically alive. But spiritually, are all of us alive? Or are some of us dead? Look at what Paul writes in Philipp Ephesians. And you were dead in your trespasses and sins, in which you formerly walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, of the spirit that is now working in the sons of disobedience. Among them we too all formerly lived in the lust of our flesh, indulging the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath even as the rest. Now, look at Ephesians 1 verse 1. What is the condition of this person that Paul is referring to? Huh? Dead. Okay. If you're beside your friend or your spouse or, or your family, okay, can you do me a favor? Can you pinch the person next to you? Wag madiin, not so hard. Did you? Did you pinch? Okay, let me ask you, those of you who were pinched, did you feel it? Yes. yes, you felt it, right? Why did you feel it? Because you're alive. Yes? 
You felt it because you are alive. If you are alive, you still feel, you still have your senses. You can still see, speak, cry, laugh, all of this. Why? Because you're alive. Yes? But spiritually, according to the Apostle Paul, physically alive, spiritually dead. And what brings about that spiritual death? According to Ephesians 1 verse 1. You're dead in your trespasses and sins. When God told Adam and Eve, you are free to eat from any tree in the garden except that one tree. Do not eat from it. For eating of it, dying, you will surely die. Did Adam and Eve disobey God? Did Adam and Eve eat of that tree? Did they die? Did they die, yes or no? Yes and no. God designed it that Adam and Eve would live forever. But when sin entered the picture, man became mortal. That's why the curse that he, God told Adam, from dust you are, to dust you shall return. Physical death. But they did not die instantaneously. Second, they also died spiritually. Why? Because sin had entered the world through Adam. God being holy had to banish them. They were cast out. They were separated from the presence of God. And separation is death. So did Adam and Eve die? Yes. They died spiritually being separated from God. And they also began to die because man had become mortal. Now look in verse 2. The spirit that is now working in the sons of disobedience. How does God look at disobedience? What is that? Sin. How many times did they eat? Once. They died because they disobeyed God. They disobeyed God. Now, what do you call someone who's alive but is really dead? Those are the young people. You're a fan of this. Huh? What was that you watch? You spend hours and hours. What is that? Huh? The walking dead. Before it was like robot. Now it's walking dead. We are like zombies. Because of our sin, even if we are physically alive, we are spiritually dead in the eyes of God. It's not me. It's the Bible telling us of our spiritual condition. I'm alive, yes, physically. But because of my sin, I may be spiritually dead. Verse 4. But God, being rich in mercy, because of his love, which he loved us, even when we were dead in our transgressions, made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved. And raised us up with him, and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the ages to come, he might show the surpassing riches of his grace in kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. Here we see the picture of unconditional love. God being rich in mercy because of his great love, which he loved us. So newness of life is not based on us. It is based on the love of God. It is based on the mercy of God. It is based on the grace of God. You see, look, even when we were dead in our transgressions, now many of us who are used to, because we are human beings, to human love. If you are good to me, I will be good to you. If you are not good to me, I'm not going to be good to you. Tit for tat, eye for an eye. Tooth for a tooth, life for a life. But God's unconditional love 
is expressed here in that when we were still dead, even when we are dead in our transgressions, what did God do? What? Oh, only Butch is alive. <laughs> what? God made us alive. How? With whom? In Christ. It is only through Christ. God made us alive together with Christ. Even if we are deserving of death, according to Romans 6.23, which says the wages of death is sin, by God's grace, we can be made alive in, with, only through Christ, our risen Lord. This is called grace. This is called unmerited favor. This is something that we cannot buy. This is something that we cannot pay. This is something that we cannot earn because it is freely given by God. Now look, not only did Christ raise us up together with him, look at your position if you are in Christ. And God raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So what is your position? CEO. I walk in high places. Why? God says, I am seated together with him in the heavenly places. When people ask you, are you a follower of Jesus Christ? Especially in this day and age. You should, yes I am. So you're one of those who believes this, believes that. Yes, I do. So you really believe that Jesus Christ died and rose again? Yes, I do. I am seated with Christ in the heavenlies. If there is anything that you and I should boast about, it should be that we should boast about our risen Christ, our risen Lord. Yes, he died. He died on Good Friday. But he rose again on Resurrection Sunday. But we have managed to take away the focus from the cross and the tomb to the bunny and hard-boiled legs. <laughs> I know you all know this. For by grace. Can we read this? For by grace you have been saved through faith. That not of yourselves. It is a gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one can boast. For we are his workmanship in Christ Jesus, for good works, which God prepared beforehand so that we should walk in them. Salvation is by grace. It is God's grace that he would send his one and only son, Jesus Christ, to bear the iniquity of us all, to go to the cross for sins that he did not commit, to be put to death, the death that we should have died, because of our sins. But it is because of God's amazing grace that we are saved. Not because of works. Because if it were by works, we might boast. God wants us to do good works. Don't get me wrong. He wants us to do good works, but the, the good works are not the means to salvation. They are the evidence, they are the proof that you really belong to God, that you really are a follower of Jesus Christ. Good works don't get you to heaven. Good works should be the byproduct of your living and vibrant relationship with the King of kings and Lord of lords who died to pay for your sins and mine. And on the third day he rose again and intercedes for all the saints to God the Father. That's all by God's grace and grace alone. But don't get me wrong. There is a catch. Huh? I thought salvation is free. I thought salvation is by grace. Yes. And anyone who comes to, to the Lord shall be saved. Yes. But friends, 
we have a responsibility. Look, he committed no sin, nor, no sin, nor was any found in his mouth. While being reviled, he did not revile in return. While suffering, he uttered no threats, but kept entrusting himself to him who judges righteously. All right? We read that a while ago. But look at verse 24. He himself bore our sins in his body on the cross. Isaiah, which we just read, right? For what purpose? So that we might die to sin. And what? Live to righteousness. For by his wounds you have been healed. The death of Christ and his resurrection should impact us in such a way that we should consider ourselves dead to sin, alive to God. You pinched some of your seatmates earlier, right? If you consider yourself dead to sin, later on when sin, when sin tries and temptation tries to pinch you, but you count yourself as dead to sin, no effect. You will no longer be as tempted as you were before. You'll begin to live a victorious Christian life. Why? You count yourself dead to sin. Alive to God. No to sin. Yes to God. In our previous messages in the past, today God is first. Every time you're tempted, today God is first. Because Jesus Christ did not just die to set us free. He died and rose again so that you and I who are dead because of our sins are renewed to new life that we would live a life of righteousness. That we would live a life that brings glory and honor to God. He himself bore our sins in his body on the cross. For what purpose? So that you and I should die to our life of sinfulness and live a life of glory and live a life of righteousness to God. We have a guest from up north. He's right there at the back. One of these days, Lord willing, he will come back to this place, this area, and he will share how God literally brought him from death to life. Binky, uh, how much percentage of your heart was still functioning that time? 20%. That's just a small portion of one, his testimony. One day, Lord willing. Hey, can you survive on 20%? You're only functioning with 20% left of your heart. But you see, he's here. Because God has a purpose for his life. God wants to use him for his glory. So God did not allow him to slip into eternity. By his wounds, you and I have been healed. And the greatest disease that all of us have is the disease of sin, which brings about death. But Jesus Christ took care of that as well. And what we should do as believers in Christ is to apply and to obey what Paul wrote in Romans 6. Now, if we have died with Christ, we believe we shall also live with him. Knowing that Christ, have been, having been raised from the dead, is never to die again. Death no longer is master over him. For the death that he died, he died for, to sin, here we go again, once for all. But the life he lives, he lives to God. Even though, consider yourselves to be dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Dead to sin, alive to God. But you see, it says if. It's conditional. If you don't consider yourself dead, you will not want to consider newness of life. Yes? I don't need that. Why? I'm alive. I don't need to die. Why? I'm alive. I don't need Christ. Why? I'm alive. But unless and until you come to that point and agree with God, through his word, through the Bible, okay, I'm a sinner. And the Bible says that the wages of sin is death. The Bible says that because of my trespasses and iniquities, in my spirit, 
God considers me dead. Therefore, I need to be born again. I need rebirth. I need regeneration. I need the Lord Jesus Christ to resurrect my soul even as he himself rose from the dead. It's if. If we have died, we believe, then we will know that we will live also for him. Just like First Peter, Paul wrote, Therefore, if you're in Christ, don't let sin reign in your mortal bodies so that you obey its last. Do not go on presenting the members of your body to sin as instruments of unrighteousness, but present yourselves to God as those alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness to God. Why? Sin shall not be master over you. You are not under law. You are under the grace of God. You have a problem with the girly bars. And then you're born again. And then, oh, what are you going to do now? Well, I have to go back. Why? Because I want to evangelize them. I want to bring the good news of Jesus Christ to them. Really? Don't let sin reign. Do not expose yourself to temptation. Because when you think that you are strong, take heed lest you fall. Oh, Pastor, I'm really strong in the faith. So where are you going? I'm going back there tonight to evangelize them. Come on. Live a new life for Christ. Let your light shine before men. Do not let sin reign in your body. Put to death those sinful desires and live for Christ. Live a glorious, victorious life for Christ. Stop living in the quagmire of sin. Start living as one who is seated with Christ in the heavenlies. We are not going to be perfect. None of us are. Because only Jesus Christ is perfect. But, please, decide, resolve to live for Christ. If you have the personal relationship with, with God through Jesus Christ, Say no to sin. Die to sin and live for God. You see, if you come to faith in Christ, not only does Jesus Christ come in to you, look what happens. When you were dead in your transgressions and the uncircumcision of your flesh, he made you alive together with him. And then what happened? Having forgiven us all our transgressions, how? Having canceled out the certificate of debt consisting of decrees against us, which was hostile to us, and he has taken it out of the way, having nailed it to the cross. Some of you have loan documents, mortgage documents. They are unpaid. We also have Certificate of indebtedness to God for our sins. Some of our list is short. Some of our lists are very long. But Jesus Christ nailed all of that at the cross. And he canceled everything. He canceled everything that was written against us. He nailed it to the cross. And because of what he did on the cross, your sin and my sin are completely forgiven. Do you see that? It says, how many? How many sins? He has forgiven us all our sins. We're dead. He makes us alive. We owe the payment of debt. He forgives us of our indebtedness. We used to be under the law, which none of us can completely obey anyway, which is a curse. What did God do? We are no longer under law. We are under 
grace. What else happens when a person comes to faith in Christ? Truly, truly, I say to you, he who hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life. He does not come into judgment. What happened? But has passed out from death to what? To life. In other translations, I believe it is the NIV. This would read, he has crossed over from death to life. See that? If you hear the word of God and believe Jesus whom God sent, what happens? You have eternal life. You have crossed over from death to life. And that is a permanent state. When you come to faith in Christ, God writes your name in the Lamb's book of life according to the book of Revelation. And He promised He will never erase it. So your spiritual condition is a permanent thing. And what needs to take place is that you begin to live for God. The problem with many Christians today is that they just simply come to faith in Christ with missing the fact that they have a responsibility to live for Christ. If somebody knocks at your door and say, you know, this is a free, especially in the Philippines, free promo, free promo, everybody wants to get it. But there's many times, there's a watch, there's a catch. With Christ, if you come to faith in Christ, he says, I give you eternal life. Now it's your responsibility to live out your confession of faith, to live for God, die to sin, and live for righteousness. For by his wounds, you have been healed. What a tragedy it is for us to claim to be Christian, to, be, to claim to be followers of Christ, and don't live out. Don't live out what he says, to obey all, to bring others to Christ, to help people come to grow in their walk. Are you a Christian? Yes. So what do you do? Nothing. I'm a Christian. So did anything happen? Did anything change? No. So how can you say I'm a Christian? Well, I prayed the prayer. Did we not just keep on reading about our responsibility as believers, as followers of Christ, that we should have a new life, that we should no longer live a life of sin, but live a life of righteousness? Yes? So let's not deceive ourselves that when we come to faith in Christ, that's it. Yes, everyone is saved by grace alone, through faith alone, through Christ alone. That is the grace of God. But brothers and sisters, we have a responsibility to live out with fear and trembling the salvation that we claim to have in Christ. Not only will you have life with Christ, not only are all of your sins forgiven, look, you're no longer condemned. Romans 8, 1 and 2, therefore, de therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Why? For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set you free from the law of sin and death. Are you free? Are you free? According to Romans 8, 1 and 2, are you free? Are you still under judgment? No. Why? The judgment that should have been on us went to Jesus. What else? If Christ is in you, though your body is dead because of sin, yet the spirit is alive because of righteousness. But if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Jesus Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. Do you get that? Now, let me share an example of someone who died mortally, physically, yet because of Christ, he came back to life. What's his name? Lazarus. Okay? We know the story of Lazarus. Lazarus is the brother of Mary. And the Bible describes Lazarus as one whom the Lord loves. They sent word to Jesus Christ, Lord, the one whom you love 
is sick. And what Jesus Christ did was to delay. Long story short, Lazarus died. And Jesus Christ arrives at the scene with Lazarus already having been buried for four days. And we pick it up from John chapter 11. So when Jesus came, he found that he had already been in the tomb four days, referring to Lazarus. Now Bethany was near Jerusalem, about two miles off, and many of the Jews have come to Martha and Mary to console them concerning their brother. Martha, therefore, when she heard that Jesus was coming, went to meet him, but Mary stayed at the house. So we see a picture. They got word that Jesus Christ was coming. Lazarus was dead. He had already been buried for four days. They, they got word that Jesus Christ was coming. Mary stayed at home, but Martha ran out to meet Jesus. Martha then said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Even now, I know whatever you ask of God, God will give you. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again on the resurrection on the last day. So Mary, uh, Martha knew about the resurrection that was promised. We have here a situation that their brother Lazarus is dead. And he'd been in the tomb for four days. And here we, we, we see the heart of Martha. God, Lord, if you had been here, only if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Yet, because I believe in who you are, I know that whatever you ask of God the Father, he will give it to you even now. And what did Jesus Christ say? Your brother will rise again. And what is the understanding of Martha? Did she understand or did she believe in the resurrection? She believed in the resurrection because she affirmed, Martha said, I know he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. But what did Jesus say? And Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even if he dies. And everyone who believes, who lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? She said to him, Yes, Lord. I have believed that you are the Christ, the Son of God, even he who comes into the world. God is no respecter of persons. And you may be in your own situation and you're crying this in your heart. Lord, if you were here, this would not have happened. Lord, if you were here, maybe things would have turned out a different way. Jesus is no longer on the cross. Jesus is risen. And if there, if there is anything that will assure us of an answered prayer, it is a prayer of asking Jesus to resurrect your sinful life. The question, my brothers and sisters, is the question that Jesus Christ asked of Martha. A very simple yet very profound question. Do you believe this? Do you believe that all of our sins have been carried by Jesus Christ? have been paid for by Jesus Christ when he died on the cross? Do you believe that through the death of Jesus Christ, you can live? You can die to sin and live for God. Do you believe that because of what Jesus Christ did on the cross, that he died to pay the penalty of your sin and my sin, that after three days he rose again, that he is indeed the Son of God, that he has forgiven you all of your sin, 
That if you come to faith in Him, He can give life even to your mortal bodies. Do you believe this? That, my friends, is a question that you and I should answer before we depart from this life. Because if that question remains unanswered, or you answer in the negative, then when you leave this life, there is only eternity separated from God. But if you believe this, then you and I are expectantly waiting for a life that will be forever and a life that will be forever with God. If not for the resurrection, our preaching is in vain. If not for the resurrection, then Jesus Christ was just a liar. If not for the resurrection, that he was able to deceive millions and billions of us. If not for the resurrection, our sins remain unforgiven. And we are still under law. We are not going to be under grace. But do you believe that Jesus is alive? Do you believe that if you've come to faith in Him, God will give you eternal life even now? Yes or no? Yes. Question. Have you believed it? How do you express your belief? Romans 10 tells us, if you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. Have you come to that point? Have you come to that point in asking Jesus Christ, God, will you come into my life? Will you forgive me of my sin? Will you resurrect me? Will you give new life to this mortal body? Have you come to that point? We're going to celebrate the Lord's table this morning. And Paul's warning in the Lord's table is that when you partake of the bread and the juice, you proclaim the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. So, as we're partaking in a little while, if you haven't come to faith in Christ, the Bible tells us, encourages us, don't partake. It's all right. Because by partaking, you're saying, I believe. I have placed my faith in Christ. And I'm committed to follow Christ as empowered by the Holy Spirit. To live a life that is dead to sin, but alive to God. If, for example, you're here this morning and you already are assured of your eternal security in Christ, but you're struggling in this area or that area in your walk, can you commit, in a sense, to nail that to the cross as well? If you're here this morning and you're not willing to believe, that God has forgiven you of that sin, can you also nail that to the cross? Because many times we can't experience God because we're not allowing God to take away the burden that we choose to carry when He says, cast all your cares upon me. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. But we try to get it. Can we do that this morning? Let's spend a few quiet moments and just between you and God. Just between you and God. God is no respecter of persons. I don't know what you're going through. I don't know your spiritual condition, but God knows. Tell the Lord. Tell the Lord what you're going through. Tell the Lord. If you haven't come to faith in Jesus Christ and today is the day that you choose to turn over your life to Jesus Christ, then tell the Lord, maybe in these words or in your own words, Lord Jesus, I admit to you that I have sinned against you and I need you as my Savior and my Lord. Will you please come into my life? Be the Lord of my life. Forgive me of all my sins. Even as I accept your free gift of eternal life. Lord Jesus, now that you're living in me through your Holy Spirit, would you please change me from the inside out? 
Free me from the bondage of my sin and allow me to live a glorious and victorious life for you. Brother or sister, if you sincerely pray that prayer, then by the promises of Scripture, Jesus Christ has come into your life this morning. Now what you need to do is to grow. And we're here to help you. If, on the other hand, you're here this morning and you already have a relationship with Jesus Christ and you're struggling in a particular area in your life, then give it up to the Lord. He's more than willing to help you deal with that. He died for you. What more can He do to prove that He loves you unconditionally? Speak to the Lord even now. If you're ready, you can come to the front and get the elements, the bread which represents the body of Christ, and the juice that represents His blood. Let's bow down and pray. Lord Jesus, on the night you were betrayed, you took the bread and broke it and give thanks. And you told your disciples, take and eat for this is my body, which will be given up for you. Lord Jesus, you gave up your body. You took all of our sins upon your, your body and you nailed all of our sins on that cross. And because of your death on that cross, you paid for the penalty of our sin. Jesus, we thank you for giving up your body for us to taking the form of a human being, to be the humble, obedient servant of the Father, humble even to death, even death on a cross. We thank you, Lord Jesus, for giving up your body for us. Let's partake together. Taking the cup of the wine, you lifted it up and gave thanks. And you told your disciples to drink of the cup of the new covenant in your blood. And your word says, Lord God, that without the shedding of blood, there can be no forgiveness for our sins. We thank you, Lord Jesus, individually and collectively that you shed your precious and unblemished blood for the forgiveness of our sins. It is our prayer, Lord God. It is our prayer, Lord Jesus, that every time we are tempted, that you remind us of the cross of Jesus Christ, where he gave up his body and he shed his blood so that we who should die may live, we who are captives might be set free we might die to sin and live to righteousness. Let's partake of the juice. Let's pray. God Almighty, we celebrate the resurrection of your Son, Jesus Christ. We thank you that in his life we can have life. That because of his death, we are set free. That our penalty has been paid for. That we have crossed over from death to life. That we no longer are condemned, but we can experience the newness of eternal life. But it is only through your son, Jesus Christ, who lives and reigns for all eternity. And all of God's people said, Amen and Amen. amen.